0: i to start this week's share with a shout-out of appreciation um, for a good friend of mine. She was a it says, I guess the, the simple pshat is that you're who it is that did the mitzvah, but if somebody doesn't want to be mentioned by name, you're at least that there's somebody doing a mitzvah. Right? The reason is that people should learn from him. So you're mitzvah. that are doing mitzvahs. So for those who noticed that last week I didn't have a video up, and in general those who noticed the difference, um, the equipment that I was using to record... It was a little old, more than a little old, and it wasn't working so well anymore. I was taking a lot of work to get the recordings to sound good with the backup recordings and things like that. So Torah time, suggested that I mention in my shir that whoever wants to sponsor new equipment will have a for all those benefiting. But uh, I reached out to somebody who has helped me in the past with different things, and he gladly sponsored new equipment, and I'm most appreciative, and I believe that uh, a lot of the people benefiting from my classes are as well. And yeah, there's definitely what to learn from people who are interested in zikarabim. I say there are a lot of things that I do and cost a lot of money, and I have people that sometimes help sponsor them. And I could, whoever wants to sponsor things in the future as well, there's always uh, sponsorship opportunities. Um, so I didn't mean to make an appeal, but I did want to show appreciation to somebody who so generously, you know, just wanted to help out. So, I wish love I Yudai, and I children and all good things. So we're going to start with a word on parshis Yisro. What from Imre The Merchaim says, and teaches says that what the Yisra here, he you heard about mountain Torah. So the Merchaim puts together the the two ideas of mountain Torah and Kriyshamsuf uh, He says is on the people struggle. That's is uh, the Doichik from the goyim You know, Yidin and Gulis are definitely suffering a lot. And the Medish says that Yisroy heard about Matan Torah. He heard that Yiddish kinder are so gettried to the Torah. are, are for Kabulsa With all that they're struggling with and all the difficulties from the Imes Oilam and the Koshia Panus and everything else going on in day to day life. And they're still so loyal to Hashem and keeping his Torah. He was so impressed by Yishma He wanted to join Khal that's interesting. There's two ways to see the same thing. There's a, there's a famous um, story about somebody who said that why did he go? Uh, you know, he left Yiddishkeit. He wasn't making sure to the mitzvah after the war. So somebody asked him why. So he explained. They remember during the war there was somebody who had a pair of film, and he would only let people put it on. They gave him the small piece of bread that they got to eat. A small piece of bread. He couldn't believe it. That's what a yid does. He's taking everyone's bread to give them the the mitzvah of putting on film. So he he couldn't he couldn't be a yid anymore after watching that. And I don't remember who it was that he told it to, Agudul Bitrul who told him, why do you see the one person who's taking away everyone's bread for the mitzvah? Why don't you see all the people online that are ready to give up their bread for the mitzvah? If you see that, isn't that inspiration? So it's just, it's so typical because there's two ways to see everything. And now I I, I heard recently the Gertsedek by from Goldstein saying his story, and he says he, he was helping a kid at risk, you know. And you're saying a ger who gave up everything to become a yid and see the and sees the beauty of yiddishkeit can't understand why somebody who's born a yid would want to ever leave or would, have, or would ever want to question anything. I mean, this is, you know, for somebody on the outside, it's a it's a privilege to be a yid, and for somebody on the inside, sometimes it looks like a burden. It just goes to show you can see the same thing two different ways, and we choose how to see it. So you hear you have Yisro who's seeing Eden being mekaim toyer and he's on the spool he wants to become a yid. And then you have people who are saying, wow, either your kind are always suffering and goonless. it's never good, and he, he doesn't want, it. We, we, we're doing, it. We're, we're, keeping, we're keeping the Torah, why doesn't, why is not good to us? Right, why, how come in this world you see and people get turned off? It's the same thing they're watching. It's all about perspective. Now, as adults, we could choose our perspective sometimes, or we could try at least focus on a certain perspective, we could realize what it is that we're looking at and how we want to see it. With children sometimes, children have a different perspective than adults. And that's why sometimes people hear children either questioning something or giving a certain attitude about Yiddishkeit or whatever it is, and we get so defensive without realizing that you know, they're seeing the same thing you are, and they're just looking at it a little differently. So you just have to be a little patient and realize what it is and be able to relate to a child with asking a question. So let me, let me address a child over here. Let me address a question over here. Address a child, not a question. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, address a, a question over here that a Rebbe sent me in a while back. Um... I actually communicated with this rabbi because I felt it was important not to push off um, the question, but it's something that I wanted to discuss, and I think that it's obviously um, appropriate and applicable not only in a classroom setting, but at home as well. Dear by growing, I'm a rabbi in England of a teenage class. The boys come from from but less Heimish homes. I recently gave my class the opportunity to write any question they have on any topic and told them we'll discuss the answer in class. One boy wrote the following question, which I quote, Why? Question mark. Why should I care that there's a God? I want to have fun, so what's the point of listening to a bunch of constricting rules? I do believe there's a God, but so what? What would you say to a guy who asked you that? Okay, so he, he writes like this. I want, to make sh- I want to make sure I give him the best and clearest answer possible. He's an intelligent kid, by the way. And number two, I think this boy really feels restrained and stifled by all the haluchas and concepts of Yiddishkeit. What would be the best, the best way to explain that Hashem loves us and gives us these haluchas for our benefit? If you could please reply, I'd appreciate it, thank you very much. Okay, so this idea of children asking questions, especially questions that are provocative or you know, challenging, is, is very relevant, a very relevant topic. You don't even realize how, how relevant it is. In other words, in this case, we're talking about a boy who's coming from Natschaheimische home, he's from Natschaheimische, or maybe we don't understand it, okay, that's why he's asking funny questions. But no, a lot of times when a child's asking questions, you don't even realize how often children are asking such kind of questions. They're challenging things that are basic and fundamental, they're challenging things that are sacred and holy, things that are, that are so uh, you know, important to us. And they're challenging something. It's, it's so similar. Now, questions, on the one hand, are disturbing, right? Nobody wants to hear questions. Nobody wants to hear things questioned. When a child's questioning something, you get nervous. Why is he questioning? On the other hand, we have to realize that questions are good. Questions were never frowned upon um, in Yiddishkeit. I mentioned in the past that I teach, a, a, that I, I say a shir on, the, on Saifi Yisodu Amina, which talks about the fundamentals of, of Amina, understanding what, what it is. And the whole, the whole um, cipher is written like a Shoil and a Maishiv. It's copying Minim Akadman, also written like that. You have a Shoil asking questions, and the Maishiv answers the questions. Now, I, maybe one of the things that he's trying to teach us by writing a cipher like that, aside from the fact that it's very appealing uh, to read and, and easy to understand, is that it's okay to ask the question, and there's an answer to a question. Every question has an answer every, every answer has a question there's always something that, that that initiates an answer and it's fine and sometimes we get so afraid of questions not realizing that it's fine we're allowed to ask rashi last week says that Moshe baini didn't didn't teach the khalil about shabbos until they asked until they asked right? they asked about the month. what's going on now on the one hand it's considered a problem why he didn't teach it when hashem told him to but you know, maybe it's something to learn from that he was waiting for them to ask when they ask there's an answer Right? Look at Paisach Shaini, what happened. It was initiated because he didn't ask the question. So questions are, are not are not a problem. Um, questions aren't a problem. Questions are actually opportunity to teach. Questions mean somebody's thinking. The question itself is, is, is not really a question. As a matter of fact, even by the Arbu by Ubunin, the, right? They're all asking questions. Paisach Banach, we encourage questions. We do things specifically so we should ask questions. We don't say, hey, why asking a question? What do you mean? This is how we do it. Why ask a No, we do things that a child should say. Why are you doing this? and even the ben who gets a, hake, a shinov for his question he gets it because he excluded himself from the klal not not because of, even though he asked a pretty uh, um challenging provocative question you know explains some explain the difference between his question and the question but that's not why he gets a, a, a you know a, a knock in the mouth
1: that's not why
0: he gets it because he said leave um that's a different thing but asking a question there's a way to deal with questions Now, there's three ways to listen, to hear a question. Some people hear the question itself. He's asking a question, why should I care about God? Okay, if you hear the question literally, I'll give you a very logical answer, right? Now, logic may not answer anyone because the question wasn't really a logical question. The words were logical. You could understand it literally, but but he didn't mean the question, okay? So sometimes when you address the question literally and you give an answer... The answer won't be accepted, not because you're answering the wrong answer, but because the person wasn't asking the question you thought he was asking. So that's the first thing. You make sure you're not, you're not misinterpreting the question. Okay? The deeper way to look at a question is oh, you're instigating, you know? you're provoking me, you're, you're trying to get me nervous now. I see. Who oh, would care about God? I... And sometimes people um, get stuck on that deeper interpretation of the question, which is a true interpretation of a question, because part of, the, at least subconsciously, or part of the intention the questioner had was to get you a little um, nervous or challenged. And, and they, they get, you know, you know the answer. You're only asking it you only ask me because you want to, I know, you want to see if it, you think you can do whatever you want. Okay. So you maybe understood the question better than the first one who thought it was a literal question, but you're, you're falling into a trap. There's a third way of looking at a question, and that is not just the logical or emotional intention of the questioner, but who is the questioner? Why is he asking this question? somebody asks you a question, the, the even deeper way to look at it is, what does this questioner have in mind? What's bothering him? Forget about the question. Let's address the questioner, not the question. He's asked this question for a reason. Maybe somebody's bothering him. Maybe he's feeling a little challenged, like you say. Maybe he's feeling a little stifled or strained. So answering the question is not going to help him feel differently, maybe. So there's something about that. You're addressing a person. If something's bothering him, think about what's bothering him. If something's uh, on his mind, think about what it is. Don't just hear what he said. So that's just uh, in terms of introduction. So let's go back. Often the knee-jerk reaction to such questions is you get defensive or critical or sarcastic and, and, and you start challenging a kid back and you show him that you're smarter than him. And the whole class is laughing at him because we're discussing in in class or in or a family or a Shabbat Seder. And you're not accomplishing much. And not just not accomplishing much, but there's a lot that you could... You, you have, there's a lot at stake when you mishandle a question. So let me explain this. A kid asks a question. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Who said it's right? right? they ask a questions we don't like to hear. You have to remember that if you answer the wrong thing or if you i the kid in the way that he doesn't that he feels emotionally challenged. Let's call it. You you go, you can cause a lot of problems. I, I'm just I just jotted down a few of them, but it's it, it, you know the, 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 there's something to this. First of all, a child who's answered back in a sarcastic way where he feels put down, or he feels like he shouldn't have asked the question, or he's not asked the question, or he's not going to get an answer, or whatever. He might already feel stifled and controlled just by not being allowed to ask. Nobody likes to be restrained. Oh, I'm allowed to ask, okay. So, so. That feeling is very really not a good feeling for a child or a teenager who already understands what that feeling is.
1: Oh, I'm allowed to say anything,
0: okay, I, I get it. That's not, it's not a good feeling. It's not a feeling you want your child to have. Number two, your child may feel from your response, I must be a bad kid. See, interesting is that sometimes he doesn't even realize what he asked. And he didn't interpret it yet. Why am I asking this question? I'm asking it. It came up on my mind. But from your answer, I see that I'm a bad kid for asking that question. Nobody's supposed to ask that question. Nobody else has the question. Everyone else is laughing at me. I must be a bad kid. Letting a kid um, determine or decide or realize that he's a bad kid is a, is a terrible thing. I tell the parents all the time, make sure your kid's identity, his self-image, his self-identity is a good one. Have him identify as a yeshiva Bukhar. Have, have him identify as shemaim, even if he isn't. Let him know that he really is, but he's going through a challenge. Let him know that you expect things of him because you see him in a good light, not, not in a controlling way, but because you, you look up to him.
1: So you don't want to give him that feeling
0: of of, of you must be a bad kid, I must be a bad kid because I asked that question. You also don't want to give him the feeling that you think he's a bad kid, even if he thinks he's not. But just knowing that you look down at him now because he dared ask such a question is also very no good. By the time you think he's no good, he already thinks, maybe maybe I'm not, or maybe I don't want to impress you anyway, or maybe uh, you anyway look down at me, etc. Another thing, when a kid asks you a question, and you answer in a defensive tone, or you're just trying to shut him up, what he might realize is and i heard this from many people you must not know the answer yourself why do you get so defensive over there why can't you give me an answer ah there's no answer or you don't know the answer that's why you got so defensive you don't want your child or student questioning your clarity or confidence this doesn't mean that you would have to have the right answer on this but i'll talk about that in a moment but you don't want a child questioning the adult figure or the toyota figure in his life um, as not being clear or confident with himself so that's also very important. Oh, you're afraid that people are going to hate this question? Ah, so I see the whole thing is only as long as we don't ask. You don't want that. That's just another thing. Now, aside from feeling control that he's not allowed to ask, he might not ask, even if he doesn't feel controlled. You don't want your child to get the feeling that, I'm, I, I'm not going to ask you next time. It's not worth it for me to ask you. It's not worth it for me to ask you, even if, even if I know you let me. Why would I ask if I'm going to get that kind of answer. You don't want a kid having questions that he's afraid to ask. You want a kid to ask, because you want to have the opportunity to answer questions. So that's just another, you want have an opportunity to, to, to clarify. And another thing, by the time you don't answer the right answer, or you, or you just scream at him, he might come up with his own interpretation of his question and realize, oh, maybe I asked a better question than I thought I answered. Maybe the question really is a valid question. Maybe this question really is bothering me. Maybe if I don't have an answer to this question, I shouldn't be doing X, Y, Z like you telling me to. In other words, you, you, just, you just started shifting his perspective as to what he really asked. He may just ask something out of frustration, but now it's turning into a, a philosophical question in his mind. Ah, I see how lost you got about that one. Mm, I, didn't miss, I didn't realize I was, I, was, I was hitting you so hard. And, 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 and last, but most importantly, and I'm up to number seven for those who are counting, you don't want him to go find someone else to ask, somebody who will actually either encourage such questions in a negative way, somebody who will actually tell him the wrong answer, and somebody who will tell him other questions that you don't even want him to think of. So, for all those reasons, when a child or a student is asked you a question that you don't like to hear, don't make him feel bad. It's very important. Don't, 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 you know. I remember a Rebbe of mine once said in Chayder years ago, Malamed, he said it as a, a joke. He was talking about one of his Malamdim from the old timers. Um, he was learning, I don't know if it was the Parsha of, of, of Bekirim or was the Parsha of Krishna or whatever it was. I think it was the Parsha of Krishna, Gohim Shmoya, and says of Tiroish Tiroishchavit um, Serechu. A child asked, "What does tiroshchum mean?" And the rabbi didn't know what the title of tiroshchum was, right? Um, tiraush, grapevine, right? vineyard, but he didn't know the answer. Tiroshchum, what, what do you mean? What tiroshchum means? Hashem is telling you that hoyim shumoy tishma was, and Hashem wants you to listen. And if not, then he's saying the pesik. And then tiroshchum vitzarechu sati esam satkuv. It's good. You get the tiroshchum, and not, you don't get the Okay. So the child asks again, but what does tiroshchum mean? What does Tirosh mean? Hashem gave us the Torah, and in the Torah it says and uh, and Hashem saying you get Tirosh But what does Tirosh mean? Hashem took us Adam Etzaim, and He gave us the Torah, and, and He kept going back and back. He said the and Noach, and Hashem made the world Shas Mei and down to Noach, down to Yank, down to Mitzrayim, and this is what Hashem said. Okay? The boy said, but what does Tirosh mean? You asking questions about before Master Shmaya and oh, that's out of class. Now, I don't know if it's just a joke or not, but the idea of, if you, if you don't know the answer, and you're just trying to, to, to make sure someone doesn't ask you anything, you're doing a very big disservice. You're doing a big disservice. Aside from all the reasons I gave, you know, he might even realize that you Taka don't know the answer, and, and you're just making fun of yourself, so you're not even helping yourself at all. So what should you say? I'll tell you the first thing I think you should say whenever a child asks anything. And I know that sometimes it's more challenging because other kids are listening and, and things like that, but, but for starters, praise the thinking. And a question. A child asks you a question, say, Wow, Cleague you must be very smart. I'm very impressed with that question. Sometimes you could turn that into a question. Or sometimes you don't even have to. Sometimes you just tell him that you like what he said. And he feels good. That's all he needed sometimes. He doesn't even need an answer. Right? And you don't have to be so afraid because most kids that are hearing the question and they're hearing your response will probably know that he didn't ask anything or that you're not so impressed with the question in the first place. But at least tell him he's smart. Another thing you could tell a child, which I, I've done this, tell him that, that you also had the same question when you were young. He's not ugefrekt. He's not a bad kid for asking. You know, you're, you're a good person. You're an Ehrlich person. And you also have that question. Okay, and this is a general concept with kids. Be vulnerable. Whatever your child's struggling with or whatever your student admit that you have the same struggle. What's the big deal? What are you so afraid of? No, me? I never asked these questions. You never asked these questions. Again, let them feel welcome and accepted and let them know that somebody who has such a question could turn into being a Magachie one day or, or, or an Ehrlich father one day. So that's... That's just the you know, initial way of accepting a question. Encourage the question. Don't say ask me more, but, but you're encouraging the question. You're encouraging the person. You're addressing the there, not the question. Another thing, and this is what some people are afraid of you don't have to know the answer to every question. You'd be surprised. Sometimes people are afraid that if I know the answer, my, my son's going to look at me funny, like, why don't I know? It, it's a mama's mistake. Send me with your wife, send me with your kids, send me with everyone. You're asking a question, you could say it's a very good question. I want to think about it. Or um, I'm not sure the right answer. I have different things that I'm thinking. I don't want to look like a total uh, Amuratz, but maybe we could ask the Rav tomorrow. Maybe ask your Rebbe. Maybe ask the Manal. Validating the question and saying that you don't even have an answer, and he's, he sees that you're not getting totally flustered, you're not taking off your yarmulke because you don't have an answer to his question, but you're allowed to give him the attention and tell him that you want to discuss it with someone. And either that person is very understandable how to answer such questions without making a kid feel bad, or you can even prep the person before, bring this kid, make him feel good, let's come up with something, and it could be so much easier for a kid to accept an answer and feel good about himself, knowing that he got an answer to the question. I was recently talking to a boy, an older teenage boy. And I asked him, you uh, know, Chzid is your boy. And I asked him, who do you consider Yereb, who do you look up to? And he told me some interesting name. Not somebody Chaz problematic, Chaz But somebody who was, it was interesting, like, oh, a little out of the box, let's call it. I said, really? Um, what do you have with him? Or why do you consider him Yereb? Did I tell you why," you said, "I I was a kid that asked a lot of questions. I always had a lot of questions, and the answer I usually got was that you're not know, allowed to ask, or you don't understand, or we can't understand, or I, I never got anywhere. And when I found this person, and I asked a question or two, and I saw that I'm allowed to ask, and there are answers both. I was validated for asking, and I got answers. And that person became my rebbe. That's somebody I look up to. Now it's not just that. Okay, so that person became your rebbe. I don't know if he did a good decision making him your rebbe. Maybe he shouldn't be a rebbe. No, this person saved his life." Now he has a question. He knows he could turn to someone and get guidance and know that someone's smarter than him because that person knew how to accept questions. So, you know, that person did him the biggest service in his life because otherwise he wouldn't be trusting anyone. So this is something to think about. And, you know, I'll tell you, I see a question also as an opportunity to teach because sometimes you'll say things to kids and they're not interested in hearing, either because they're young or they're just not interested. And when they ask a question, if you deal with the question right, it could be a, 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 a starting point a jumpstart to brainstorming an idea and having a kid interested and you come back a week later. You know, you asked that question last week. Amazing. Just this week I saw something that's so interesting and all of a sudden he's interested. So that's just another side benefit you know, to the to the question. Now, after that whole um, introduction, let me try to give some kind of answer. I'll try to give some answer. But but most of, that, most of my answer was addressing the question and understanding how to address questions. That's the truth. So, one way to address a question like this, a provocative question like, why should I care if there's a God? Okay. Okay. Um, Take it slow and, and, and try to help a chi- encourage a child to think. Show him that you trust in him and his capabilities of thinking. So sometimes you just want to throw back and say, I don't know, who said you have to care? In other words, you're not, you're not attacking him and you're not even answering. You're starting a conversation. Sometimes you can add, do you care? Tell me the truth, do you care? And you just want to know why you should care or you don't care. You're letting him understand what is it bothering him. You're letting him talk about it. Maybe he'll say, I'll tell you, of course I care, but sometimes... oh, not, Slowly it becomes less of an issue when there's less challenge. That's first of all. Um, now I want to mention something clearly. It's hard for a parent to 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 do a lot of what I said up until here. First of all, to encourage a question or to go into the answer with a discussion, like, why do you care? You don't have to care.
1: I know it's very challenging. I remember hearing once
0: from a Mekhanach the reason why it's important sometimes for parents to let a child of theirs learn with someone else, even though you can pay money if someone who does it for you, or do it yourself. What happens is, when you learn with your own child, you get frustrated. No, what's the taich? Oh, come on, why do not you know the taich? What do you rebbe say? What are you going to school for? Nothing? You didn't even give a kid a chance to remind himself or think what the answer is. When somebody else learns with your child, he's less emotionally involved, and he, he could hear the child. So you could hear him say, um, let me think what the answer is, um, let me, and slowly the kid comes up with it because he's less pressured. It's normal. Nobody could expect you to not be emotionally involved in your child's chinach. So, of course, we try to be logical, we try to be a little, you know, removed so that we don't get all pulled in emotionally, but, but it's hard. I can tell you clearly, can I know how to have a lot of children, and I have a lot of people that talk to me about their children. And when somebody tells me that their child did something or asked something or behaved in a certain way, and so similar to the way my child behaved, my head's working better when I'm talking about someone else's. I'll tell you what to do, I'll tell you it's nothing. From what you're telling me, it doesn't seem like it's a problem to here to stay. Or you can address it this way, you can push it off a week, it's not terrible. And when it's my child, I see that it's much, it's much harder for me to be able to stay calm and collected and realize, no, he doesn't mean anything. It's going to pass. Let it go. What do you mean let it go? Because that's what happens when you get emotional about something. So if you feel, for whatever reason, that when your child is asking a question, it's hard for you to stay calm and collected and say, you know, let's go into the conversation, and what do you think, and maybe yeah, maybe no, I don't know, let me hear. If you can't do that, then that's more reason to do what I said before, let's go to someone. Or it's a great question. I have someone you could ask. I think he'll have the right answer for you. And if he doesn't tell me he doesn't, then we'll go to someone else. So that's also something to think about. But if you are a Rebbe, or somebody who is a, m- a little more patient, or even just a parent who does have the nerves and stamina, then back to, back to what I was saying, you could say, I don't know, do you care? Why should you, who said you should care? Someone told you to care? And go into the conversation and hear it. Now, um, to answer the question that you're asking, I think I would answer, after all this introduction, making the child feel good and whatever else, I think the basic gist of the answer would be that the amount that you do or don't care about Hashem and his Torah and is, is not going to change much. It's very similar to you have a heart, for example, right? Somebody has a heart. You have a heart? Yeah. You saw your heart? I never saw it, but I know everyone else. I feel it beating. Okay. Do you care about your heart? It doesn't matter if you care about your heart. If you don't care about your heart and you eat unhealthy food or you go bungee jumping from the Twin Towers which could cause a heart attack or anything like that, your heart's going to gonna fail, if you care about it or not. In other words, the point if you do or don't care about something is not as relevant as you think. Because you're saying, I don't care, it's not going to make a difference. Hashem is our essence. Hashem is our existence. And by not caring about what Hashem wants, it's not going to help us. Because in essence, something is happening. And very many people get into this mistake, obviously it's an emotional mistake, of, well, if I don't care, I chuck the whole thing, then it's not relevant to me. It's just as relevant to you as to anyone else. So the idea of saying, I, I know it's there, but I don't care about it, it's coming from a mistake of not realizing that, that you know, not caring is not, is not really going to make a difference. So that's, that's just something to uh, understand, first of all. Number two, when you, when you learn, and it's not a one-line answer, because you're asking a brilliant question, when you learn each small part slowly, and you get more and more acquainted of why and what, and how relevant, or what's the reasoning, and things like that, you will sl- start realizing that it's not just a bunch of constricting rules. That you could say, I don't care about. It's all there for us now, benefit. But it takes a long time to get there. And I don't expect you at age 15 to understand that. I don't. So I'm not going to try to give you an answer that will take away the question, why should I care? It takes a long time to realize, you know, what's the toichen and the panemius and the reasoning of uh, about Torah and each mitzvah in particular and why Hashem did it for us. But we do believe that he did it for our benefit. And that's why we care, because we know it's for our good. And this room talk about, just like you have a. A watch or a camcorder or whatever it is you look at the manual for the one who made it because he probably knows best how to use it instead of saying well i don't care what he has to say <laughs> you know but he designed it so he probably knows what's best so the same thing when we understand and we believe in hashem then even when there are a lot of things we don't understand sometimes we we just have to fall back onto trusting that he knows what's good for us so again it's not because we care what we know it's because we trust that we don't know so again these are these are things that you could get into a conversation about and these are very elaborate ideas very thought-provoking ideas and brilliant ideas that a question could actually give you the opportunity to relay and discuss and teach about, but only if you invite the question and the questioner, and he doesn't feel, um, you know, um, stuck or stopped. When a child's ready to understand that Hashem, you know, knows what's best for us, and He knows what's the best way to enjoy both worlds, and slowly you you could entertain uh, the thought of realizing that, you know, a lot of people out there they're not really happy; they think they're happy. People that are not doing what Hashem wants. They're busy a whole day trying to stimulate and excite themselves and get fulfillment, but it's not really helping because if you're not really doing the right thing that the one who designed it said this is the best way to do it, you're not going to be happy. Feeling real content and real happiness, that only happens when we do what's right. So again, these, these are these are good ideas and chinech ideas, but if you start with such an answer right when a child asks a question, or you may, or worse, you make him feel bad fast in the question, that's for sure not going to help anyone. In any case, regardless of what your initial answer is going to be, regardless of what your... And answers, Nabi. You want to make sure that a child goes away feeling good. You never want to make a child feel like you had a debate and he went away feeling the loser, and either he's going to feel bad about himself, like we said before, or be tempted to get back at you for putting him in his place, especially if you did it in public. You always want a child to go away feeling like the winner. You always want a child feeling like you look up to him. You want three days later to say, you know, that question, I didn't think about it until I was even older than you. You want to make him feel good and brave for asking, good about himself, good about Hashem, good about the Torah. You want to slowly give a child a good feeling, that he shouldn't see his own abrasiveness and, and chitzpeh as rebelliousness, chas On the contrary, you want to see somebody who understands, somebody who could do a lot of good learning, somebody who could do a lot of good growing, because he's, wow, you, you, you have the capabilities, you have the talent, you have the qualities. I mean, I with this approach, like I said, which is not always easy, to stay calm and collected when somebody's trying to provoke you. But with this approach, you could definitely do a lot of good. A message from all our children.